We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back for part two of the midweek rundown. And and I'm going to look at, obviously, if, if I have Notre Dame as a playoff contender this year and a team that's going to be in the college football playoff, you also have to look at, well, what are some other scenarios and what are some other teams that you look at as playoff contenders? Because at the end of the day, you could have a playoff resume and not be a playoff team. Perfect example is Ohio State in 2018. In a lot of other years, 2018 Ohio State is a playoff team. In 2017, if Ohio State was what they were in 2018, same record, same bad loss to Purdue, they're in the playoff. There's no question about it, in my opinion. But in 2018, they had some bad luck. You had an undefeated Notre Dame. You had an undefeated Alabama. You had an undefeated Clemson. And you had a one-loss Oklahoma, who had a really good resume. So your bad loss against Purdue hurt you more than maybe it did in other seasons. And that's the break sometimes, right? Notre Dame caught a break. You know, you're able to go out there in 2020, get blown out in the ACC title game and still get in the playoff because some other teams got beat. There weren't a lot of other really playoff caliber, playoff worthy teams, except maybe Cincinnati, who didn't play any games against power five teams that year. So sometimes you got to be able to catch some breaks. But there's also, you know, so there's years where you get in when other years you maybe not but then there's years you don't get in because it's really loaded. So I think it's a worthy discussion for Notre Dame fans to have, but then also just from a college football standpoint, it's certainly a topic of conversation to have. And so that's what we're going to discuss today. Part one of this uh, two of this series is going to be focused on the ACC and the big 10. And I think between these two leagues, as of right now, and, and there are five teams combined in those two leagues that I look at and say, I think these teams are right now playoff contenders right now. They need some things to happen. There's talent. There's whatever the case may be. But this team has a, a chance to go out there and be a playoff team. And then I'm going to do for each conference, I'm going to kind of pick a sleeper team because there's always that team that kind of breaks out. And they're a little bit harder to predict because as we kind of joked about in yesterday's show during the mailbag, you know, Vince and I talking about if one of us would have picked TCU to be a playoff team, a team coming off of a five and seven season, their starting quarterback got beat out by a backup, then that guy gets hurt in the first game. 
you you go into the season with a brand new football coach, a what thirty some early thirty something coordinator, and you're thinking to yourself, "There's no way TCU is a playoff team." Are you out of your mind? Well, guess what? TCU was a playoff team last year. Not only made the playoffs, but then went and won a playoff game, beat Michigan. So there's always those sleepers. So we'll pick those two, and we're going to start with the ACC. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When I look at the ACC, for years, it's really been Clemson or bust when it came to the college football playoff. There was really no... There were no no teams that if Clemson doesn't win the league, that team's going to get in. You haven't really had two good teams in the ACC since Clemson and Florida State back in 13, right? And obviously that year, um, Florida State was the by far the cream of the crop. I think 14 was the last year that, that Florida State beat Clemson uh, in that matchup. Uh, you had, that was the year that Deshaun was there. I, I believe it was competitive game. Yes, they beat uh, Florida State, beat them 23-17. The next season, Clemson kind of kicks the doors down, beats Florida State 23-13, and after that, it's been a very uncompetitive series for the most part. It really is 2016. 2017, Clemson beat them by 17. In 2018, Clemson beat them by 49. In 2019, uh, they beat Florida State by 31. In 2020, they beat. Uh, they didn't play Florida State during the COVID year. Uh, 2021, they beat Florida State by 10, even though they were down. And then last year, they beat them by six, and it wasn't quite that close. But the point is, Florida State's been gaining on Clemson a little bit, and they're one of the hot teams. And so now you go into a season where I think there's certainly two teams that have an opportunity to be college football playoff team. I'm a believer. Y'all know this, however that you're the champ till somebody beats you, whether that's the national championship, whether that's your conference championship. If you're a team that's been a been the dominant force for a stretch of time, then in, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna predict someone to beat you for that championship until somebody proves it. And that's what Clemson had to do to overtake Florida State. And now that's what Florida State has to do to overtake Clemson. So to me, Clemson is still the big dog heading into the season. But I think it's more than just the fact that Clemson is the defending champs. I actually really like this Clemson football team and, and think they have a chance to 
to sort of uh, not only stop the bleeding a little bit, they're not the team that they were. This team, to me, is not as good as the 16 team, the 15 team, the 19 team, or the or even the 20 team to a degree, although it's probably a little closer to that 20 team than it is in, in, in any of the others. But they were taking a step back. I think they take a step forward this year, and there's a few reasons why, that, that I think Clemson is, is still the team to beat in the ACC. Number one is obviously – a head coach that's a champion has to make tough decisions. And Dabo made one of those tough decisions this offseason when he got rid of Brandon Streeter's OC and brought in Garrett Riley. I see Brandon Streeter had had coached with him for a while. Brandon Streeter played at Clemson. There's a relationship there, but it's what was needed to be done. You bring in Garrett Riley, he still has something to prove to me, but he's still pretty good. And, and has the, the the DNA, the family lineage, whatever you want to call it. Coaching for Sonny Dykes is also a big thing for him. He was the guy running the TCU offense last year. I think it's not just about Garrett Riley, though. It's are you bringing in a coach that then fits what you have? And to me, he's the he was a much better fit for who Cade Klubnik is than the previous coaching staff and the previous staff. So I think you've got your young quarterback who's very talented, who was a big-time high school football player, number one quarterback in his class, you know, showed some things last season, looked like a freshman, but also looked like a freshman with a lot of promise. And now you give him a coordinator that's going to better suit, be suited around him. Look at the receiving core. I think that has a chance to be better this year. Joseph Ngata is gone. He's going to be replaced by a, an Adam Randall, who I think is a better fit for what they're trying to do. A little bit more explosive athlete. Antonio Williams goes into year two. Those two sophomores, I think, have a lot of potential. You're bringing in a good freshman class that also can play. Uh, the, this tight end that they have really fits the 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 old school tight end, not the old school, but the the type of pass catching weapons that they had, the Jordan Leggetts that they had on those championship teams that can bring something to the table. They bring four starters back on the offensive line, and then Tristan Lee's the other starter. He played last year, and he's a very talented player. And so when I look at uh, the the offensive line, is it going to be elite? I don't know, but this is one of the more talented offensive lines they've had in a while. Blake Miller's a talented kid. Walter Parks is a talented kid. Tristan Lee is a talented kid. Will Putnam is a talented kid. I don't know as much about Marcus Tate as the others, but in the limited film I've seen of him, he's a good football player. So I think offensively, there's a lot of talent. Now, here's where Clemson could be in trouble. They don't have the depth that we talked about with Notre Dame and some other teams. So if, if, if Will Shipley gets hurt there, that's a big drop off. If, if, if Cade Klubnik goes down or doesn't play well, they're going to be in trouble. Uh, the receivers are very young. So if you, if they don't play well, there's not a lot of proven people you can turn to. And I don't think their depth on the offensive line is, is, is it's, it's okay, but it's not great. And you look at the defensive line and you say, man, they lost Brian Brissee. They lost, um, Miles Murphy, they lost KJ Henry, but they returned some very talented football players. And Clemson kind of is like what what I said about Notre Dame, where you could look at Clemson's quote unquote backups last year and say those guys start for a lot of teams. So yes, you lose uh, Miles Murphy and you lose KJ Henry. Well, they're going to start Justin Maskell and Xavier Thomas most likely this year. Two very good football players, very talented football players, who have played a lot of football. And Xavier Thomas wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for injuries. Now, that's a key. He's got to stay healthy. And that's going to be a big key for them. But he's certainly talented. And then, of course, Rook Aroro comes back this season. And Tyler Davis, those are two NFL defensive linemen. And, and so the depth isn't great there like it used to be. But that's a very talented starting defensive line. Their linebacking core is expected to be one of the best in the country. 
your secondary returns all four starters. Now, it wasn't a very good secondary last year, and it's getting a lot of hype that I don't know is necessarily warranted. But I think Sheridan Jones and Nate Wiggins have a chance that if they can improve, are going to be quality corners. And then, of course, you have some experience coming back at safety. There's some very good young talent. Their sophomore class in the secondary is very talented and could start to make an even greater impact this season. So I think those are reasons that I look at Clemson and I say they've got a shot. I also think their schedule set up really nicely because if you look at their schedule, their their toughest road games are are, are road games that, that are, are certainly where they could lose, but also road games that they can win. Uh, they're the more talented team, but also that will give you some uh, some national love if you win those games. Obviously, you start off at Duke. They play at Syracuse. Those should be wins. They play at Miami. We'll see who Miami is this year. They play at NC State and played at South Carolina. So those are tough road games. They're going to have to win those games. They're tough, but they're all winnable games. The two best teams that I think that they play this year, uh, I would argue the three best teams that I think they play this year, they all get at home. They get, they get Florida State at home. They get Notre Dame at home, and they get North Carolina at home. And then, of course, they'd have to win a neutral field game potentially against one of the teams. It, you know, it could be Florida State. It could be, uh, it could be Miami, NC State, or North Carolina where they get a rematch against one of those teams because the ACC got rid of division. So I think when I look at Clemson this year, I think their schedule sets up well. I think they're going to be – they have a shot to be very good at quarterback. I think they're, the offseason changes they made were for the better, and it gives Clemson a chance to go out and still be – the class of the ACC in 2023, which then in turn makes them a playoff contender. Now, here's the interesting part. The ACC champ could have an opportunity to go out this season and be a really good football team, but not be a playoff team. There's a chance the ACC could get shut out because I think for a couple reasons. Number one, the two best teams in the ACC have really challenging schedules. Clemson used to be able to just kind of wipe up the ACC because AC was down. It's better now. North Carolina is better. Florida State's better. NC State's getting better. I think Miami's coming back. Duke's getting better. Plus, Florida State has to play LSU, and, and Clemson has to play Notre Dame and, and South Carolina. And then Florida has to also Florida State has to play Florida. So I think we could see a scenario where the ACC gets knocked out because they kind of beat each other up, and that's going to be one of the more fascinating aspects of the season because – there are all five power five conferences. The schedules are such and the depth of the leagues are such and the lack of any great team that all of the power fives could end up beating each other up to a degree. Now they're not all going to, but they all have the potential to, which means this could be the year we finally see a two loss team get into the playoff because they are the conference champ. It's going to be very fascinating. I think it, it would have to be a, a, a two loss team it to me would have to be a playoff a conference champ not a you know not like Alabama goes 11 and one and then loses to Georgia in the SEC title game and they get in no that you if you're a two loss team you better win your league but I could see a two loss big 10 champ I'm not saying it's going to happen I'm saying it could happen when you look at the fact that that Penn State has to play Michigan and Ohio State they all three play each other then Ohio State has to who I think is the best team in the big 10 then has to play Notre Dame on the road so there's a lot of different aspects of this that could make it very, very, very interesting. And, and so when you look at Florida State, they're another example of that. I love what Florida State has going on this year. Now, there's a lot to prove. Florida State is one of those teams that's kind of getting the benefit of the doubt, and I understand why. But to me, they still have a lot to prove this season. 
when you look what they did last year, great win over LSU early. Had a really nice win over, over Louisville. You block BC. You're starting off 4-0, and then they lose three games in a row. They lose by 10 to NC to Wake Forest, Sam Hartman. They lose on the road at NC State in a weird game that they should not have lost, and then they lost at home to Clemson. And it was a six-point game, but it wasn't really that close. Florida State, Clemson scored late, just like they did against against Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest is up, I think at one point in time, I don't have to look that up. I think at one point in time, it was like 28 to 10 or 28 to 3. Let, let me just look their, their schedule up last year, because a couple of their losses that were 6 to 10 were were not quite as competitive as, as, as you might think based on the final score. So against Wake Forest, at one point in time in that game, Wake Forest is up 28 to 7 in the third quarter. Now, Florida State battled back. They went up, or they scored with um, nine minute and a half minutes left to make it 28-21. Wake went on an 18-play drive. It took six and a half minutes off the clock and kicked the field goal to go up by 10 and win the game by 10. But for most of that game, it was not competitive. It was 21-7 at halftime. It was then 28-7 in the fourth quarter before uh, it was 28-13 going into the fourth quarter. It's a game that they dominated. You look at the Clemson-Florida State game, it was 34-14 to going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Clemson, Florida State scored twice last time with two and a, two and a half, two minutes and 17 seconds left. Now, you get an onside kick, you make a stop, maybe you have a chance to win. But for most of that game, it was, it was not overly competitive. Uh, Clemson had a 10-point lead at halftime, scored twice in the fourth quarter, touchdown and a field goal to go up big. So Florida State has a lot to prove. And even in late in the year, they have a seven-point win over a bad Florida team. They have a three-point win over a bad Oklahoma team in the bowl game, which took a little bit of the shine off of just the domination they had in back-to-back games over Miami and Syracuse. But that team showed me something last year, that they, they're they not the same packing-in Florida State that they used to be. When they would lose a couple games, they would just go in the tank, and they didn't do that last year. I also think they upgraded their talent. They're going to be loaded at running back this year again. You have Johnny Wilson coming back, who's an outstanding player. You have three starting offensive linemen coming back. Of course, Jordan Travis comes back for year six. Jared Verse makes the decision, shocks everybody to come back for another year on the defensive line. Fabian Lovett comes back. Kalen Deloach comes back. You've got a couple starters coming back in the secondary. But then they had some really impact transfers. You know, talk about Keon Coleman transferring in at wide receiver from, from Florida State. He's 6'4", two, about 220, and he's their small receiver because Johnny Wilson's 6'7". Uh, you look at they had Jaheim Bell coming in at tight end, who's going to have a chance to play there at corner. They had Fentrell Cypress, who transferred in uh, from Virginia. He's a good football player. And then, of course, they had the kid from uh, Western Michigan that Notre Dame looked at, Braden Fisk, who transferred in at the defensive tackle position. And now, all of a sudden, Florida State was able to fill some of the questionable holes they had. So there's a lot of talent at Florida State. And, and I would argue you could make – or I wouldn't argue. I would say you could make an argument for – Florida State having an even more talented starting lineup and more depth than Clemson, but that doesn't always mean you're going to be the best team. There's an attitude, there's a discipline, there's a mental toughness, and there's an experiential aspect to being a champion that's going to allow you to win it. Can can Florida State be effective in those areas, those intangible areas, is going to be a question. But they could do that and still not make the playoff because of their schedule. And here's what Florida State has this year. They have a neutral field game against LSU, who is going to be a team I talk about when I get into the, the, the SEC contenders for the playoff. LSU will go into the season as a contender for a playoff bid. Will they get it? I don't know. I'm not predicting it, but they're they're definitely in the conversation. 
they have a neutral field game in Orlando against LSU. They play at Clemson on September 23rd. So the same day that Ohio State and Notre Dame play, you have a, you have the Clemson-Florida State game. There's, I think, three huge games that weekend. I can't remember what the third one is. They play at Pitt, at Wake Forest, at Florida, and then they have home games against Duke and Miami. Then they have a potential rematch against Clemson. So let's just say they're able to go on the road and beat Clemson this year. Okay, that's great. You're, you're now 11-1 and at worst, maybe 12-0, and but now you have to go play and beat Clemson again on, again on a neutral field. Uh, that, that's going to be tough to do, to beat a team twice. And so the, the, the road is harder. Now here's the good part uh, for, for, for So I just laid out how the schedule can be a negative for Clemson and Florida State. But here's the positive for those two teams when you look at their potential to be playoff teams in 2023. In the past, you had to basically go undefeated in the ACC to get in. Clemson got in in 2017 with a loss. But again, as I pointed out, that was a year where there just weren't a lot of great teams that year. And, and that's partly what got them in. And people made the excuse, well, they, 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 you know, Kelly Bryant got hurt. He wasn't there and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that just wasn't a great Clemson team. They got in the playoff, got smacked by Alabama. They just weren't a good football team. This, this year's teams have a chance where they don't have to have that perfection to get in. If, for example, Florida State beats LSU and Clemson, and let's just say hypothetically looking at their schedule, they somehow get upset. November 4th at Pitt, right? That happened to Clemson in 2016 as well. But they can get in then because they still have a win at Florida, which is not going to be very good this year, I don't think, but it's still an SEC win. You'd have a, a win over LSU and then maybe a loss to, you know, a win over win over Clemson, then maybe like an upset loss. Or you lose to LSU, but then you run the table and you win your league. That would give you wins over, over Clemson, potentially two wins over Clemson, a road win over Pitt, a win over Miami, and so I think you'd have a schedule that was a lot more manageable. I think that overall, Clemson has a better, deeper schedule because they have North Carolina on it than Florida State does, but both of them have schedules that if you run the table, as long as your loss is competitive and you run the table in your other games, you're going to have a playoff resume. But there's also a chance that those teams could also be both pretty good and still catch two losses, and I think that's especially true for Clemson because I think their schedule is even tougher. So let's talk about sleeper teams in the ACC. And I have been back and forth on this one a while, on this team a while, because there are times when I just don't love this team. And there are times when I look at this team and I say, man, you know what? They're going to surprise some people. I think this team is going to be pretty good. And this team could make some noise. And y'all, are, y'all some of y'all are going to laugh at me a little bit on this. But my sleeper team in the ACC, and, and again, a lot of things that have to go right. But my sleeper team in the ACC is North Carolina. Now, bear with me here. Again, I am not picking North Carolina to make the college football playoff. But if there was a sleeper team, if there was a team that had the ingredients to go out there and make that kind of run, I believe it would be North Carolina. And here's why. What's the number one ingredient that they have? They have a phenomenal quarterback. They lost some guys at the skill positions, but they also returned some. Uh, They got a transfer in at receiver, who is a very good football player that if he would have transferred into Notre Dame, Notre Dame fans would be very, very excited about. There's no question about that. Uh, That is Devontae Walker at 58 catches for 921 yards and 11 touchdowns last year at Kent State. Kid that had four catches for 56 yards and a touchdown against Washington. This is a good football player. This This kid can play. 
So you, you get him in. He's a, he's brings them some size. Uh, they've got some other guys coming back. They've got a really good tight end coming back, Bryce Nesbitt. Their running back room was a little banged up last year, but I like the talent in the room. Amorian Hampton's a quality football player. George Petaway is a really good football player. They have some talent there. They have three starters coming back on the offensive line. They have a transfer coming in on the offensive line, which helps shore that up. And I know they lost some guys in the secondary, but I'm going to be honest. I feel about them that some of those guys, because of the attitudes and the personalities, it can maybe be a little bit of a addition by subtraction type of situation. I think their offensive coordinator was a, a problem from a leadership standpoint for them that last year. There's a lot of rumblings that him and Drake May didn't get along real well. That factored into why in North Carolina really fell apart late in the season and, and had the issues that they had. If you remember, you know, North Carolina was what? Let's see, six, seven, nine and one going into the November 19th game against Georgia Tech. They dropped that game, shouldn't have. They lose in double overtime to NC State. They were just worn out at that point in time. And then, of course, got whipped by Clemson in the in the ACC title game. But, you know, for a while there, North Carolina was climbing up the rankings and looking like a team that had a chance to win the ACC. Just couldn't couldn't finish. Then you look at their schedule this season. Uh, defensively, they're now a full more year removed uh, from the Jay Bateman era. They've got some talented kids coming back on the defensive line. Uh, they're not going to be great on defense. The question is, they're going to be good enough. And that's the question, and I think North Carolina has a chance to do that. They have a neutral field game against South Carolina to open. We're going to learn right then who North Carolina is. We're, we're going to know in week one if my prediction for them as a sleeper team is correct or not, or I assume the prediction is correct because the point is I don't know that they're that team, but I think they have a chance to be. We're going to find out early because they have a neutral field game against South Carolina in week one. Two weeks later, Minnesota comes to town. They're going to at least be physical. We're going to find out if North, if North Carolina can take a punch. Then they go at Pitt, and any doubts about whether they can take a punch will be answered that way. Then they have three games at home that are all winnable, Syracuse, Miami, and Virginia. They go to Georgia Tech, I think is going to struggle. Then they have home games against Campbell and Duke. Then they finish up with two really tough road games against Clemson and NC State. That's where I think their season will ultimately get derailed. However – if they're able to pull off some upsets down the stretch, I think they're going to have a chance to, to be that team. Because here's the deal. Clemson and Florida State, most likely, if they're in the title game, are going to have an opportunity. are going to most likely have to play a rematch. If, if North Carolina beats Clemson, there's a chance that that knocks Clemson out of the ACC title game and then would put North Carolina against Florida State. And I think that North Carolina has the, the firepower, potential firepower, to stay in that game, where if they can force some some mistakes by Jordan uh, Travis, that they have a shot to pull that upset off. I'm not predicting it, but if a sleeper team is going to come out of the ACC like a TCU, I think North Carolina is a team that's got the tools to do that. I am not. I do not think it's going to happen. I think their schedule is a little too challenging. I think their defense is not going to be good enough to make enough stops. And I just don't think they have enough firepower to do it over the course of 13 games. But if there is a team that does it, I think there's a lot of similarities between North Carolina and TCU uh, last season when you look at what made them good and then what I think is going to make North Carolina good. So they are my sleeper team in the ACC.
Thank you.